Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about the Virginia election aftershocks, Durham's Russia Gate indictments, Project Veritas and the FBI raid, and planned perpetual chaos. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. I've been wanting to talk about this since the elections. Um, in Virginia, of course, you know, the uh, Republicans swept the statewide offices. Big, big kind of you know, big earthquake uh, in the political world, uh, really for both sides. I think that the um, Republicans are kind of, you know, trying to learn what we, what, how this happened, what they can do with the Democrats. It is so interesting to look at how they are reacting um, to, this, um, to this turn of events. And I want to start by saying James Carville, if you remember that name, he was a big player in the uh, Clinton uh, elections, you know, James Carville, very married to Mary Madeline, and James Carville, he's got the kind of serpent look to him, a you know, serpent, serpent head kind of guy. But he was asked to comment, and he gave some comments about what happened in the Virginia election, why it is that the, um, the Republicans swept the Virginia elections. And so, Mr. Becker, let's play James Carville first. What's wrong with just stupid wokeness? All right, you just, don't just look at Virginia and New Jersey. Look at Long Island. Look at Buffalo. Look at Minneapolis. Even look at Seattle, Washington. I mean, this defund the police lunacy to take Abraham Lincoln's name off of schools. I mean, that people see that, and it it it, it it's, it's just really a, have a suppressive effect all across the country. The Democrats. Some of these people need to go to a woke detox center or something. <laughs> okay, woke detox center. James Carville, you know, it's kind of an interesting thing. He was really in the Clinton era, uh, you, know, you know, as far as I know, we're not super active anymore politically, but, you know, he was, uh, he, often people joke, kind of looked like a serpent. He had a real, um, like, nasty streak. I mean, I, I would say no one thought of him as a uh, milk toast guy, you know, very, um, uh, you know, tough guy, t tough fighter, you know, willing to be a little underhanded, but he's not a communist. He's not a, he's not a socialist. He's not in the world of, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders and AOC and all that. He's, you know, he's a, he, he's a pretty smarmy uh, Democrat strategist and operative, but not a communist. So he's looking at Virginia saying all this crazy stuff you're talking about, this wokeism. And, you know, you heard that all the litany of comments he made, he's just saying, the problem is the Democrats' policies. That's the problem. So contrast his reaction to what I'm going to have, Mr. Uh, we have two clips from AOC. I'll play the first one first. Go ahead. Whenever anyone asks me on all of these elections, including even my own, I'm, I always really caution against trying to attribute any victory or loss to any one thing. I always tend to think that there are multiple contributing factors. The candidate matters. The campaign and the execution of a campaign matters. And then also what your opponents do matters. And I think we saw a combination of all of those things happen last night. Okay, so there's her non-answer. You know, yeah, well, the candidate, the campaign, the other guys. But she went off later after hearing what James Carville had to say. And that I want to have Mr. Becker play for you next. Plus, on the election front, I actually think we have good news as well. I know that Virginia was a huge bummer. And honestly, if anything, I think that the results show the limits of trying to run a fully 100% super moderated campaign that does not excite, speak to, or energize a progressive base. And frankly, we weren't even really invited to contribute on that race. So... You know, she basically, in that one, you know, she's kind of saying, yeah, you know, these people, the Democrat candidates in Virginia, weren't woke enough. And that's what she's really saying is, you know, uh, we didn't, she, her little mob of communists in, in the Congress, they didn't really get asked to contribute. Uh, they didn't get asked to 
uh, participate and shape messaging or be involved in messaging even to the millennials. The Democrats are in a really interesting position right now. Interesting is one of those words that can cover too many things. They're in a really um, uh, you know, pivotal time uh, in American history because the party overall, the party has been steering to the left. I don't mean like slightly higher taxes on the rich. They have been, been drifting left and left and left for decades. But at this time in 2021, they've gone past just you know, drifting to uh, more support for unions or kind of the traditional little guy thing. They're flat out Marxists. And Marxists would say, for example, like the uh, failed uh, Democrat candidate McCullough for governor said, you know, I don't think parents should have anything to do with what's taught in schools. That was probably the single biggest line that reverberated around the state and really impacted Democrat um, uh, voters. Just thinking, especially parents, Democrat parents who are voters, you're saying you don't think I should have anything to say about what my kid learned in school? I mean, it helped them see how much, how, you know, Marxist, socialist, communist, the Democrat parties become, because that's kind of their thing. They, what communists do, they, they Lenin early on talked about, and Marx, get those kids in, into schools, let me control what they're learning, and the parents, you know, I'll, I'll have them for life. And so this is a, it's a dividing line kind of issue. And it's really interesting because AOC and her little mob of leftists who, you know, it's bigger, it was uh, in her first term, four members of the uh, freshman class. And now I think they count six or maybe even eight socialists uh, in her little cabal. And this does not even resonate with her. She cannot fathom why uh, that was a problem in, in Virginia, why parents would react that way. And she also wants to be part of messaging to millennials. But when she's messaging to millennials, she's talking about, she wants to message her Marxist agenda. That's what she wants to message. She does not want to have to you know, find nicer words and new ways to say uh, kind of mainstream Democrat ideas. She really does believe that COVID, that race, that climate change can be used, can be maneuvered into um, a massive growth in the power, the reach, the effectiveness of the federal government. And this is what she wants. I mean, they're moving the country toward a Marxist uh, model without wanting to say that. You know, I mean, she's at least she's honest enough to be part of the Democrat Social, Socialists of America. But she got the Carville generation, you know, he's a lot older than she, and he's looking around at the traditional Democrat voters uh, and saying, you can't get people, even traditional Democrat voters, are not going to turn out for you if you're going to be saying things about, you know, parents have no right to know what's going on in their kids' schools. And the other thing that the Virginia elections really reflected was the... Um, the overall against a backdrop of entirely what's happening in Washington, D.C. I am telling you, my friends, Republicans obviously do not like what's happening in this country. They don't like the border being abandoned. They don't like the military turned into a bunch of sissies discussing critical race theory. They don't like America abandoning uh, their role as a leader or leader of the world. Uh, and they don't, they, they don't want to get America back entangled in these ridiculous globalist uh, mindset kind of, whether it's a climate deal or any other deals, they don't want America back involved. They like America first. That's the Republican base. But even, or just, the, and, and especially the conservative base, they want the Trump agenda. But the Democrat base, this is the battle what it is between Carville and AOC, is where does the Democrat base live ideologically? Like, what, what will they be okay with? What will they reject? What will they say? And, and they got a big lesson in Virginia. I mean, because the voters were saying, you know, we are so done with critical race theory, and we are so done with boys in the girls' bathrooms. We don't care what your argument is. We're not having, they had a, a, a young girl raped in Loudoun County girls' bathroom by a boy dressed in a skirt claiming to be transgender. And, and the school not only permitted it, they had policy that encouraged it, and they, had, they then tried to cover it up, tried to hide it. I mean, these things do not resonate well with basic core moral Americans. 
no matter what your political ideology. So, you know, Nancy Pelosi's been having a struggle anyway in Washington. She's got some, some kind of maybe old school kind of Democrats, and she's got the relentless mob, you know, headed up by AOC and many others now, uh, who are pushing toward radical Marxism. They do not want any excuses. They, as I mentioned on yesterday's show, you had that little cabal of six Democrats that wouldn't even vote for their own party's uh, infrastructure bill, wouldn't vote for it because that bill did not include all of the wildly irrational, over-the-top spending. So, interesting take. I guess the party will struggle with what they're going to be, and they've got to do some serious, it's two things. They've got to do some polling to figure out, is there enough of a base in America to really go for the Marxist agenda? Uh, which, which is what, they're, what the uh, AOCs of the world are pushing, or is their polling going to show, actually, we can't go that far, well, we don't have enough. I don't think America has, I, I mean, even 20%. It would be high. doesn't have 20% of what AOC is pushing and wanting. I don't think America has even that, and I think that Carville knows that, but they've got to convince, because the, the, you know, AOC claims she brings energy, she brings young voters, but when the American people see the agenda that is being pushed, they see the agenda and they just, they don't want it. They don't want it. So, very interesting. Um, I just, oh, oh, by the way, one last thing, this first five to tell you, it's kind of funny. So, AOC, you know, spouts off, some media outlet put out, uh, said, AOC says Terry McAuliffe lost because he wasn't woke enough. Carville says the opposite. So, it's contrasting what they're saying. And she, AOC, is having a fit. And I didn't know this now. I mean, I don't know what you know, the trendy terms of the, of the month are, but AOC is all upset because she doesn't like the word woke, even attributed to her having been said. Woke is apparently old fashioned. You can't say that anymore. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. It embarrassed her that someone would say, well, she never said woke. What are you even talking about? So very, very interesting. Um, it's just very interesting what's going to happen with them. So I will say it is time, you know, uh, Republicans won in Virginia because they stood up against the crazy of the left. We, on the conservative side, and I don't even, I mean, I'm not even happy with many, many Republicans, to be clear. Uh, my show, my agenda, my purpose is to stand up for the unique and fight for the unique ideas that founded America. And Democrats don't like any of the founding ideas. They, they hook, line, and sinker, they would get rid of them. It was interesting, Carville pointed out, you don't take down statues of Abraham Lincoln. AOC, she's fine with that. She's fine with eviscerating all American history because she doesn't like the idea of America. Carville, you know, he's still in the world of older Democrats who like America and can see that you're not going to get many voters if you support, you know, burning down the cities, BLM, Antifa, pulling down statues. So, um, but I, back to the conservative side, I think the Republicans who can win, the conservatives who can win, are the ones who can make the case for the greatness of America, make the case for the, the basic notions of a country rooted on the promise of freedom for the individual, uh, the right of the individual to live in freedom, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, and that can do the best job labeling, accusing, pillorying the left with what they're trying to do to this country. Because the left gets a lot of leeway with euphemistic and meaningless words. Oh, we're just trying to help and build back better and all these, all these lines they come up with. It is incumbent on Republicans and conservatives and patriots and Americans to stand up for the idea of America and to put the correct label on what the left is doing because today's American left has gone communist. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. Oh, actually, you know, while well, that can be the end of the first fight, I will tell you, it was also interesting on election night or the day after, there's a Democrat woman who is a member of Congress. I think she's been her second term named Abigail Spanberger. She's a Democrat. She won a district that was previously Republican. Abigail Spanberger won twice. It's a suburban district in Richmond. And she jumped in uh, right after it was obvious Republicans won everything in this Virginia race. And she said, nobody made Joe Biden president to pursue sweeping legislation uh, similar to former President Roosevelt's transformative New Deal. She, this Democrat woman saying, don't make our party look so crazy. She's saying they picked Biden to be normal and stop the chaos. But she, one of the chief advisors to uh, Biden's senior advisor, 
Congre former Congressman Cedric Richmond said, absolutely, she's wrong. She's wrong. Double down, go progressive, go left. So uh, the left is in a world of her deciding where they want to live ideologically and how, what they can win in America. I say America is solidly 70-30 with the ideas of America, with the idea of freedom, uh, and they don't like anything the left is doing. So now that's my first five. Okay, so I want to tell you, um, uh, I'm going to do this a very quick piece on uh, Durham. You know, you have, everyone's all excited that they have we, some indictments finally coming out um, of the, uh, by the grand jury and panel by Durham, you know, who was supposed to be looking into the whole Russia-Trump collusion thing. And, you know, so he's got two indictments. Everyone's like, oh, great, he's going to have more. Yeah, yeah, very exciting. I want to just say this about that. I'll talk in more detail another time about who is indicted and why. But here's the problem. If Durham, and it appears as what he is doing, is going to try to say the entire Trump-Russia collusion, hoax, farce, lie, came about because of a few bad actors outside of the FBI, outside of the DOJ, you know, these bad actors who were related to the Steele dossier and people with Perkins Coie or people with Fusion GPS or some other place, going to keep all the blame for the entire hoax outside of the FBI and the DOJ, then it's not even worth talking about what he's doing. Not worth it. The only way it's worth it for it to have Durham continue investigating and bringing charges is if he can be honest enough and say, we need, in America, we need to go after the big players. We need to go after and expose and consider prosecuting, charge and prosecute Comey, Rosenstein, McCabe, Mueller, Weissman, as well as Hillary herself. All of this effort, what appears to be Durham's effort to say, well, yeah, you know, I got this uh, Denchenko guy and uh, I got, um, you know, some, whoever else it is. If you're not going to be honest enough, if you're not going to dig enough, because I think he must know. He's been looking at this, you know, for I don't even know how many years, two and a half years. If he, he must know at this point that this came, this entire farce of the Russia collusion hoax came from Hillary Clinton. He's already got um, he's already got John Brennan's handwritten notes acknowledging, and this is what brought about Sidney Powell being able to get Lieutenant um, uh, Colonel Flynn uh, released from uh, that General Flynn uh, when get the charges dropped, was because through discovery, they finally got the notes, handwritten notes by the head of the CAA, John Brennan, early on in the whole farce of this Russia collusion hoax, acknowledging the entire thing was cooked up by Hillary Clinton, by her team, as a campaign smear effort. He has it in Brennan's own writing. So if we're going to sit here and pretend, well, yeah, we have a few bad actors, and they're at this firm, and this law firm, and maybe Fusion GPS, you know what? It's hardly worth it. I really, I don't, I don't know if we'll ever get there, but this is nothing to be jumping up and down about, nothing to be clapping about, not serious enough. There needs to be the effort to go after the players inside the DOJ, inside the Department of Justice, inside the FBI, who not only enabled this, fomented, participated, encouraged, because otherwise we're not really cleaning up anything. I just wanted to say that about this. Let's not get too excited yet about, about what uh, Durham is doing. Okay, I do want to hit a story um, which has probably been, uh, you've been wondering, why hasn't she talked about this yet? This whole Project Veritas thing about the FBI raiding the homes of Project Veritas founder, as well as others in Project Veritas. Let me just back up and tell you the quickest background. So President Biden, you know, he had children by his first wife, Hunter and Bo and a young girl. And, 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 and you know, they had the terrible accident and Biden's wife was killed and the young girl. Okay. So then Joe Biden married Jill. Well, Joe and Jill have one child who's their daughter together named Ashley. Ashley has had a challenging life. And so uh, there was a, so Ashley Biden uh, apparently kept a diary. And in this diary, she wrote things that were very um, lurid. I mean, she, she wrote things about, you know, kind of wondering if her dad Joe Biden, the president of the United States of America, uh, if something was off or weird because his dad 
uh, her dad used to take showers with her. Okay, don't know what happened there, but she has a lot of things she wrote uh, in her diary. And so Project Veritas, which we talk about many, many times, James O'Keefe Organization, they basically do uh, kind of underground journalism. They have, they have people they work with and train who will go to uh, all sorts of uh, venues, locations, and they will you know, uh, pose as, as, as someone who's just slightly interested, someone who's got some questions. They got an undercover recording of people, I, I mean, ranging from Pfizer employees acknowledging that the vaccines are full of garbage. I mean, they have, they have uh, penetrated uh, the uh, Planned Parenthood and gotten acknowledgement that, yeah, they're actually trafficking in baby, baby body parts. I mean, they are a relentless journalist organization, true journalists, you know, going undercover, gathering information. So the story was James O'Keefe, head of Project Veritas, says the story is that someone came to their offices with Ashley Biden's diary and said they claimed to get it because they said, you know, uh, somebody had moved in to an apartment where Ashley Biden used to live. And so Ashley Biden had lived there. She moves out and the person who moved in claimed that the diary was tossed in the trash. They just pulled it out of the trash and realized what it was. And it has, I mean, the Bidens are one creepy family. I'm not going to go down that path today, except to say, you know, there's something extremely wrong with Hunter Biden. I mean, we'll someday talk in great depth, I guess, about his, whether we want to go to his laptop. We talk about some aspects of it, but they're a very, very, very strange family. And so now you have this Ashley Biden alleged diary, you know, describing what I said about the showers and other weird things. So as, as James O'Keefe tells it, you know, they bring this to him and he said, you know, we're very, very conscientious. We didn't just say, oh, great, we'll run with it tomorrow. We'll put it out there. You know, they, they wanted to figure out often, you know, first of all, whether it came, the person who brought it to them came across it legally and whether it was genuine, authentic, uh, you know, what, whether and there was anything inappropriate about the way the person got a hold of it who brought it to them. And so they didn't run with it. They didn't run the story and they did an investigation. In the meantime, the diary made its way to another news outlet who put most of it out just you know threw it out there not a major news outlet you have to be kind of into the you know the the non-traditional areas of the internet but somebody put it out there so everything in there is pretty much out there because this is what they did i mean that this entity put it out there so now we have a situation where over the weekend the fbi showed up at the homes of james o'keefe and several of his high-level staffers and had search warrants. Search warrants looking for what they said was the stolen Ashley Biden diary, which by the way, uh, James O'Keefe said they didn't even, they didn't run with it. They didn't, you know, they, in fact, they tried to give it back to someone, could not accomplish doing that. But the point is the FBI showed up at their front door with a search warrant looking for Ashley Biden's diary. And you have to remember how this whole organization works. James O'Keefe and Project Veritas work on the basis of discretion, secrecy, whatever you want to say. They actually, I know how they have training sessions. People try out to become a reporter on Project Veritas. I mean, I, I actually have a friend or she's or an acquaintance, I guess, who tried to do this, who actually went and she said, yeah, I, I'd like to work undercover. I'll do this go through all this training, they teach you how to do things, how to bring you know, others into your confidence and so they'll open up, how to, where to put the camera so it can't be seen, so you're recording. And at the end, they didn't choose her. They, they declined to, let her, to hire her or to ask her to work with them. So in any case, so they have many, many undercover things going. And often when Project Veritas comes up with something, I mean, you're just like, oh my gosh. And when you realize they've been investigating someone for months They've had someone undercover gaining the trust of senior officials at all sorts of organizations, getting them to tell them kind of what they shouldn't be telling them. That's what Project Veritas does. And so, so now I want to play uh, the uh, founder of Project Veritas, James O'Keefe, did a little video I sent to Mr. Becker. I want to actually to play that now. By making this statement, I am putting myself at great risk because on November 4th, Project Veritas came under attack. 
I woke to the news that apartments and homes of Project Veritas journalists, or former journalists, had been raided by FBI agents. It appears the Southern District of New York now has journalists in their sights for the supposed crime of doing their jobs lawfully and honestly, or at least this journalist. I had to think long and hard before making this statement. It's a decision that only I can make. They don't want me to defend myself and immediately tried to silence me. That's why the cover letter to the grand jury subpoena we received contains this language. Quote, the government hereby requests that you voluntarily refrain from disclosing the existence of the subpoena to any third party. While you are under no obligation to comply with our request, we are requesting you not to make any disclosure in order to preserve the confidentiality of the investigation and because the disclosure of the existence of this investigation might interfere with and impede the investigation." Unquote. But while the Department of Justice requested us to not disclose the existence of the subpoena, something very unusual happened. Within an hour of one of our reporters' homes being secretly raided by the FBI, the New York Times, who we are currently suing for defamation, contacted the Project Veritas reporter to ask for comment. We do not know how the New York Times was aware of the execution of a search warrant at our reporter's home or the subject matter of the search warrant as a grand jury investigation is secret. So how would the New York Times know that the FBI and the U U.S. Uh, attorney, Southern District of New York, raided these homes? Which is, I mean, it's, it's silly, obviously, because either the FBI or the Southern District of New York uh, U.S. attorney told them. That's the only way the New York Times would know, or they have a plan inside the FBI. But the point is, this is, I, I wanna just tell you why I think this is so consequential. Number one, they, were, they claim the argument of this was, this was a, uh, you know, a, a um, stolen diary. That was, that was a pretext, it was a stolen diary. Well, if it's already been published by this other organization, not by Project Veritas, already been published is not secret. And so, and so it's, I mean, it's literally not of monetary value. It is the, uh, you know, private property, I guess, of, of Ashley Biden, who, at least according to the story that they got at Project Veritas, was tossed in the trash. So what is the reason the FBI would be raiding the homes of, and you have to be, even though he doesn't say this, I'll say it, these are opposition journalists. I mean. Project Veritas would happily expose corruption by, by people of any political party, any background. You know, they're equal opportunity investigators, and they do expose things on both sides. But most of what they've been working on is because the left in this country, frankly, is so corrupt, they end up exposing many things leftists do. Oh, they were the ones, by the way, we played a few weeks ago, and we had that um, high school teacher in California who was telling this uh, parent, thought he was talking to a parent who was friendly to communism, yeah, you know, I get the students in, and you know, I only have a few months, and I'm going to turn them into revolutionaries. I mean, you know, and he eventually lost his job. But only because they got in there, got the recording, and made it public, the school was forced to face up to what this guy had said and what he was doing. So back to this. I want to just tell you why this is so dangerous. First, I'll make this a little bit of an analogy. You remember when President Trump would, or his um, White House spokesperson would hold these press conferences and one of the main relentlessly obnoxious, accusatory, just despicable reporters was this Jim Ocasta, James Ocasta. The analogy to having the Biden FBI and, and U.S. attorney attack James O'Keefe and show up with a search warrant to search the home of not just O'Keefe, but all these subordinates. The analogy would be if in the Trump administration, while Trump is still president, he sicked, sent, unleashed the Trump era FBI and, uh, and a U.S. attorney on the home of Jim Acosta. That is the analogy. Imagine how hysterical the left would be if the Trump administration had weaponized the FBI against a political opponent, which is all that Biden did here. Weapon or his team, who knows who's making decisions is not Biden, but they weaponized the FBI against a political opponent. And on top of that, a journalist with heightened First Amendment 
which they should attach heightened First Amendment protection. Many, many times in the uh, in uh, in history, in criminal cases, civil cases, you know, there have been efforts by journalists uh, to or efforts by prosecutors, uh, lawyers, try to get journalists. Well, who's your source, and how do you know this, and who told you this? And you know, we have a high, high degree of respect for and protection of journalists, right? Uh, it's a First Amendment thing. It's what keeps press free is because we have a high degree of respect for their right to keep their sources quiet, to keep their, um, to keep their information quiet. It's how you have a free press that allows the American people some protection against the government because you have a, a press that reports. But now think about what Project Veritas is really like. Just think about that. Those people, it's one thing to get in there to say, you know, we are searching for Ashley Biden's diary. But once they're in the houses, once they've got, I assume they gather computers, once they get computers, they have access potentially to every single ongoing, current, potential, and past in, uh, journalistic investigation that Project Veritas ever engaged in. I mean, just think about the potential to completely destroy what Project Veritas does. You have, the, and I, by the way, I'm so sorry, the sun is really bright. I can't even get, get myself comfortable there. Okay, it's very, very important to recognize this is a true egregious attack on the First Amendment in this country. When those people show up, I mean, if they physically, those FBI people, the search warrant, if they physically walked around the apartment and said, nope, no diary here, and then they'd be done. But there could be an electronic version of it, could have been uploaded, so they're taking computers, they're taking papers. I mean, they're in a position to know, to expose the uh, journalists who are working undercover for Project Veritas. They're in a position to expose them, to let the companies know, the organizations, the entities, whoever it is, wherever it is that Project Veritas is working, they're in a position now, the, the Biden administration, to say, well, now that we search O'Keefe's people, we can tell you, you'll know, look out, uh, I don't even know who it'd be, you know, the Illinois Democrat Party, the Planned Parenthood, or, or all sorts of left-wing organizations. This is a serious, egregious, outrageous use of the power of the FBI. It is very much appearing to be the FBI becoming, being weaponized against the American people, against political opponents by the Biden administration. This cannot, cannot stand. Now, I will tell you, even if you got a judge later to say on appeal, this search warrant should never have been issued, it was wrong, this is terrible, you know, the damage is done in terms of whatever they came across, because the FBI, whatever they've come across under the Biden administration, where no one has any respect for the FBI, the idea of rule of law, they're going to have already notified, already notified all the entities being searched, and they're going to have, um, and they're going to have the names of people who are working undercover. I mean, it is just, it, it is disastrous. Now, there's a great statement, a very lengthy statement James O'Keefe put out. I don't want to play the whole thing, but he, he made very clear, we did our own investigation, determined we could not confirm the uh, authenticity of the diary, so we didn't run with it, which by itself should speak volumes, because the temptation should speak volumes of his integrity, his organization's integrity, because it, it, it is actually profoundly important to recognize they could have just run with it and just said, oh my gosh, this is irresistible, can't wait, and they could have just, but they didn't. They didn't, so very commendable. Um, I don't know how this is all gonna shake out, but I gotta tell you, um, this is a, again, you, you hope so much for the um, truly fair-minded leftist Democrat who uh, in Washington or in the legal world, someone who's a, a law professor saying, this is outrageous. We cannot allow this to continue uh, in this country. We cannot allow this to happen. Uh, there have to be consequences for whoever issued the, uh, the search warrant. I mean, it's just, it is really, really a signal. And I want to tell you something else. I'm always telling you about in America, we're watching the Marxists take over this country. This is a hallmark, hallmark thing for communists and Marxist socialist governments to do, to use the power they have to weaponize it against their people, to rip away the promise of freedom of speech, to rip away the freedom of the press, to rip away the freedom of journalists to do their jobs. It is a hallmark level 
uh, conduct by people like that, and the idea is that we're even thinking about it happening in this country, truly, truly outrageous. I very much hope there's an appeal all the way to the Supreme Court, and again, end up with some horrific rebuke. You know, you can't, un you know, the horses out of the barn, as they say, whatever issues they did uncover, but uh, this is out outrageous, and there needs to be a penalty for uh, everyone involved. I mean, they, especially since the thing's already been published, it's really, really hard to argue what is the damage uh, that, that required the FBI to get involved with basically the president's daughter's tawdry diary. One last quick thing, um, and I want just—I'm going to tease this, and I'll have to get back to it later in the week because we're almost out of time. If any of you have ever read Saul Alinsky Rules for Radicals, and, and most people in the conservatives I have read it, you know, one of the, the things they try to do is create chaos. Just create chaos. It's intentional. It's a tactic. It is what Saul Alinsky recommends as you're trying to, and his, his entire book is about how to bring about the communist takeover of America. That's what he wanted, how to bring about the communist takeover of America. So. What he's doing uh, in the book is saying, well, here's the things you gotta do. He gives them tactics. Among the main themes he makes over and over is, you must create chaos. And I want you to think about, when I keep telling you that we're watching the Marxists take over the Biden administration, not being run by Biden, being run by some cabal behind the scenes. I always go with Soros, Obama, uh, Valerie Jarrett, Susan Rice, all the leftist cabal that really kind of ran the Obama era presidency. But whoever it is, just think, under President Trump, especially if you go two years ago before the COVID came along, best economy imaginable, economy's humming, prices are low, America's stable, America's enemies understand, you know, as we took down ISIS, we'll take you down too. They understand America the strong is back. The, econ the, the border was being enforced, the border was being becoming more secure and where we are now here in November of 2021. The Biden administration is openly permitting the invasion of the southern border. It's no longer uh, engaging in lax tactics, not really putting enough resources. The Biden administration is enabling and fomenting the, uh, the uh, invasion of America, the southern border, not even pretending to try to enforce it. They've stopped fuel production. First you had, you know, the uh, president, I think day one it was, took down the Keystone Pipeline project. Now, uh, just today or just yesterday, I think it was, uh, President Biden was announcing, we're looking at shutting down another pipeline uh, someplace in Michigan, I think. So this is administration. Gas prices are going up, which is always a tax on the poor. Biden is pestering the oil producing countries. Can't you please produce more oil and make it cheap like they have any interest in doing that? I mean, you, if you're trying to destroy the country, these are the things you would do. Driving oil prices up, abandoning the southern border, um, permitting over all of 2020, because Trump couldn't do a thing about it, permitting the destruction of America's cities at the hands of Antifa and Black Lives Matter. I mean, just burning down cities, utter chaos, people scared and frightened and unsure what to do and waiting for the government that never, never came to the aid. Um, you had a defund and disband the police movement still ongoing, even though the voters tried to say uh, last week, you know, actually, we don't like this too much, but it's very much ongoing. Uh, the Biden people who are giving him the senior advisory team. They're right on track with this. So is all the AOC and the squad, the notion of getting rid of the rule of law, getting rid of police, which is the creation, the intentional, undeniable, intentional creation of chaos. I mean, these things are so crazy. You think, well, no one would ever propose that because who would support that? Actually, it's exactly what they are doing. So you have the defund the police, we now have the Biden administration talking about settling litigation with illegal aliens who entered America illegally and are complaining about the way they were treated. Other countries would say, actually, you know what? Get the hell out of here. Go back to your own country. And if you cross here again, we're going to find you. We, on the other hand, so weak, so disrespectful of ourselves and our country, we are negotiating to settle lawsuits with illegal aliens to the tune of $450,000.
$450,000 per person. And we're doing that and act like it's a serious, you know, reasonable effort to make. Um, we have an absolute, um, I mean, people are calling it counterfeit money, but you have the federal government just printing money like they're printing monopoly money. But it's real money, therefore, eventually it has no value, driving inflation up. And, and we have, I mean, this is intentional destruction of the economy, compounded with these ridiculous massive spending bills, which are, I mean, they're, they're, they're beyond any normal adjective. They're unreasonable, outrageous. I'm listing these things because I want you to grasp the idea. This is not just a series of poor policy decisions, a series of mistakes by inexperienced people. These are intentional, Saul Linsky level, how you bring a country to its knees, create chaos, bring it to its knees, to bring communism in. You have the left in the form of the 1619 Project, in the form of BLM, in the form of CRT, denigrating everything, everything, about the founding of America, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, all of American history. We have the left emboldened, uh, tearing down Thomas Jefferson statues and anybody else they can think of, tearing down Abraham Lincoln statues. We have a populace out of control, nobody in authority willing to stop them. That includes on the Republican side. You can't even get Republicans to stand up and say no. So we're watching this denigration of our history, mocking of our history, and we have children being taught critical race theory, which is, in the famous words of Governor DeSantis, teaching kids to hate each other based on skin color, to judge and then hate each other based on skin color, and teaching them to hate America. And this is not something the left is, I mean, they, they occasionally try to say, we're not doing that, what are you even talking about? They're doing that right in front of our faces, and had there not been the uprising of parents, they would still be doing that. We have ridiculous policies about transgenderism and letting boys dressed up as girls, going girls' bathroom, raping girls, and, and the school's, school's first reaction was to try to protect the boy and keep it all a secret. And by the way, I meant to tell you, in the Virginia case, Loudoun County, the mother of the boy involved in that rape testified before this, this you know, school board. You could take one look and realize she's a problem, but she testified that it was really the girl's fault for not defending herself adequately. I mean, seriously. Okay, so back to how our country's being destroyed from within, right in front of our very eyes. Uh, we have this whole notion with Terry McAuliffe, the Democrat Party candidate for governor, said there's no reason parents should think they have any right to tell the schools. They have no say what the schools teach. Uh, you have the Supreme Court being threatened with court packing. I mean, people... If, if you wrote this in a movie, if you could go back 10 years or even five years and someone wrote this as a script, made it into a movie, every American would be saying, oh, that's ridiculous. Never going to happen in America. I really want you to recognize how very, very quickly America itself is being torn down. And when the left attacks America, please understand this. A lot of people think, well, well there are some bad things here or there. I know America itself is being attacked. America the idea, America the founding, America the declaration, America the concept of the right of people live in liberty. But ultimately, you need to understand the Democrats are accusing you. When they attack America, they are accusing you. There's not some special group of nice people they don't mean. They have in their sights the destruction of the very concept of America. All these things, I, I, I mean, all these things taken together, just, just unless you want to have your head in the sand, they add up to the inevitable conclusion that we are watching the destruction of America, and therefore it's a job of every American to get really, really, really clear on Oh, and actually, a whole other, besides CRT and the schools, you have corporations now going along with the idea. AT&T just has this ridiculous thing, forcing white employees to acknowledge who've done nothing wrong, not accused of a thing, forcing white employees to admit their white privilege and confess their white privilege and commit to be part of a re-education policy. And these are people trying to go to work and earn a living. And last little example, when I tell you the Biden administration is intentionally trying to destroy 
the conservative movement in America, the patriots of America, the people who still love this country, which most definitely include the Florida governor, DeSantis. Did you realize recently that the Biden administration acknowledged they just sent 70, 70, 70 planes full of illegal immigrants taken from the southern border and plopped them down in Florida. 70 plane loads of illegal immigrants. Why do you think they were sent to Florida? And DeSantis is saying, we have no idea when they're coming. We have no idea who's on the planes. We're never told where they, they just disappear in the night. These are, these are nighttime flights, disappear onto buses. I mean, this is the American left seeding as S-E-E-D-I-N-G, seeding, filling America, filling areas that are conservative like Florida with people they ultimately think will be the ones who will stand up and vote for permanent Democrat majority, Marxist, socialist, communist government, which is exactly where they're headed. I tell you all these things to say, if you're getting tired of being active and you're getting tired of being political, understand there's no time to waste. There's no argument that, well, just wait, you know, two years from now, things will be okay. America will be gone. America will be gone if they continue down this path and you can hardly find a Republican in Congress or the Senate to call them out on this level. You can hardly find a one. And the ones that do are mocked and ridiculed and criticized all the time. It is an outrage. It is, it, it is I mean, but you know what, folks? I, I, you know, the, we're living in a most perilous time. But again, you can say it's the most exciting time because there really is a call for the patriots, the lovers of America, the lovers of freedom to stand up and rise up, pick your battle lines, pick your job, get behind one candidate, run for school board yourself, or get behind some other candidate for school board, get behind all the people trying to make a difference, join organizations, go to marches, go to protests. There's got to be the message from the people to Washington, we know what you're doing and we're going to stop you. At the close of every show, I tell you whether the stories you talked about today matter to you. Okay, and so I, I truly apologize for that sun. It's, we're gonna fix this by next time. You can't even see in here. Okay, Durham's Russia Gate indictments. <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry, it's not the first one, excuse me. Virginia election aftershocks, generational leftist liberal um, clash, James Carville versus AOC. Carville says stupid wokeism cost the Democrats a Virginia election, which it did. AOC says Dems being too moderate, and that cost on the Virginia election. Biden advisors, Virginia results mean time to double down, triple down on the radical left agenda. Americans must stop pretending there is anything moderate or normal about Biden's installation as president and the cabal's pursuit of the radical, destabilizing, fundamentally transforming agenda that is wreaking havoc throughout America. This is a war in America as founded and is deadly serious. Resistance is imperative if America the free is to be saved. And on Durham's Russiagate indictments, long silent special prosecutor suddenly surfaces for air with a few indictments, Michael Sussman and Igor Denchenko. Some are placing great hope that Durham has the goods and is prepared to go all the way to the top to clean out the corruption. Indictments suggest a theory that the FBI and the DOJ were duped into pursuing the Russia collusion hoax by clever liars working for the Clinton campaign. The FBI and DOJ were not duped. This is an utterly false premise. Unless and until Durham moves to indict Comey, Rosenstein, McCabe, Mueller, and Weissman, as well as Hillary Clinton herself, Durham's efforts are tainted, is tainted and inadequate. Just another whitewash. And on the FBI raid on Project Veritas, imagine the 2018 headline, President Trump's FBI raids, Jim Acosta's home. The absence of media apoplexy about Biden's FBI raid on James O'Keefe's home is a measure of America's desperately dark place in 2021. Legacy media has no honesty, principles, standards, or objectivity. They simply serve as the propaganda arm of the Biden regime and cannot be shamed. Unprecedented in America, incalculably dangerous to a functioning republic. The founders never imagined a free press would volunteer to work for a regime. Alternative media are fighting back, but big tech censorship also serves a regime. 
Speculation that FBI raid was also intended to flush out all Project Veritas agents and projects um, <clears throat> because big tech, big pharma, and big brother have been embarrassed by Project Veritas. Yet the legacy media crows about Project Veritas getting its comeuppance. This is an upside down world that will wash away freedom if it's not corrected soon. And finally, unplanned perpetual chaos. Only an enemy of America, intent on destroying America, would do the things Biden is doing, allowing the invasion through the American southern border with two million troops, which are just the caravans. Stop fuel production, ending American self-sufficiency, allowing the burning and destruction of downtowns of major American cities. Deep state within Trump administration is the one that allowed that. Supporting efforts to defund and disband the police claim that the foundational documents of America, including the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, are effectively null and void due to slavery. Required schools that teach that white children are evil oppressors and children of color are forever helpless victims. Declared that children belong to the government and parents have no say in their education. Abandon American citizens, residents, and allies in Afghanistan. The Biden cabal agenda is purposeful. Not one part of it is helping America, and not one part of it is supported by the American people. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Tune in tomorrow, Wednesday. We have Mark Meckler joining us. And for our very special Thursday show, which is a Veterans Day, we have Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer, the gentleman who was the command, uh, commander in the Space Force, wrote a book exposing Marxism in the military. And for that great effort and great book, he lost his position. He's joining us to celebrate veterans and how we can support them. So I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. Like a crashing wave. Can you hear us now? America, can we talk? Truth about America. <laughs>